This is a special episode of the Immunology Podcast, IUIS 2023, Day 3. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Jason Goldsmith and Dr. Brenda Wild. Welcome back to the Immunology Podcast, where we have conversations with immunologists, sometimes in person. We're back with our third episode covering highlights from IUIS 2023 taking place in Cape Town, South Africa. Brenda and I have had so much fun attending and getting to meet all of you, but it's not over yet. If you're looking to find out what we're up to at the meeting, follow us on Twitter at @immunopodcast. You can also find episodes covering the two previous days of the meeting at www.immunologypodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Today we'll be discussing our favorite sessions throughout day three of the meeting. So if you were in another session or weren't able to attend, we've got you covered. We're going to kick things off in just a moment, but before we get to that... Are you looking to improve your T-cell therapy development? With stem cell technology's new GMP-manufactured Immunocult XF, you can achieve robust T-cell expansion with high cell yield and viability without the use of serum. To learn more, visit www.stemcell.com forward slash Immunocult minus XF. Ah, GMP. Love it, Brenda. Mm, you gotta, You got to do it. I'm all about GMP. <laughs> all right. All right. So you always go to the morning keynote. What'd you see? Oh my. Oh, what a, what a day. First of all, what a day. So many talks, so many, so much to see, so much to learn, so little time. But so we started strong uh, with a keynote from Rafi Ahmed from Emory University. He is one of the fathers of T-cell exhaustion and uh he did a lot of the early work in the, in the context of chronic viral infections. And he had, you know, basically did a really nice overview of diesel exhaustion in the context of, of uh, he started on uh, viral infections. And he, you know, he talks about the stem, stem-like cells, CD8 cells that a- appear during chronic viral infection, and that they have the, they have these qualities of being pluripotent, self-renewing. That they can and they can differentiate and kind of slowly trickle down into uh, the the effector uh, T cell population. And this is so this is very important because these cells they are the ones that can sustain the the the, the effector population throughout time. They are characterized by these these uh, stem like. Uh, features they express this TCF1 transcription factor that has been uh, well has is associated with a stem cell uh, um, like phenotype, and uh, they also express tox and importantly they express PD1, and these are the cells that will respond to anti PD1 treatment. And uh, so he he started you know, introducing to this. He also made mention to the role of these uh, uh, PD1 uh, positive, TCF1 positive, tox positive T stem cells in the context of cancer, cool data on head and neck cancer, um, and the implications for immunotherapy that targeting these cells has in the context of, for example, combined with IL-2, uh, you can both if you combine PD-1, anti-PD-1 with IL-2, you can both uh, uh, remove the inhibition and kind of may, uh, induce a burst of, of proliferation from the stem cell-like compartment, but then also sustain the proliferation of the effector cells that occur from this burst with using IL-2. Uh, so you have to go you know, both ways. You need, to, you need to sustain them from all angles. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. So, what, 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 where were your morning sessions, Jason? Oh well, I, I, I don't want us to get the E on the podcast, but I went to a talk about sex. Oh. And uh, sex matters. Interestingly, it was two male uh, scientists who were presenting. 
Okay. But uh, it was actually a really interesting talk. So the first off, the first presenter, Hai Ki, uh, presented that, uh, you know, well-known that women have stronger immune responses because you're better than us. And more more autoimmunity as well, though. So mm-hmm. double-edged sword, right? Mm-hmm. So more lupus and other things. And they really honed in on germinal cell differences between, uh, you know, men and women as defined by sex chromosomes, right? And so they identified that there was this one GPCR, S1, PR2, and it's a G protein coupled receptor that binds the inhibitory G protein GQ1213. So it's like that GI is also inhibiting, but it binds the G1213 and it inhibits migration. And what they found is that um, germinal cells will have two signals. So they can have a signal that says migrate towards me, right? Or migrate away from me. And they actually migrate away from me is how you make them in a ball in the germinal center. And so S1PR2 knockout um, turns off the migrate towards me signal. So knockouts have more tightly condensed central localization because they are dominated by the move away from me signal. And then they were able to look at the fact that CCL21 and this GP protein receptor 174, there's this distraction effect from the germinal centers in males. And so males are told to go wander away. And if you knock that out and also coupled to this S1PR2, if you, if you abrogate that, then the distraction signal goes away and it drives centrally. Um, it shows a difference in G-alpha-I coupling. That's the one that says go away. So more coupling in males occurs, which is more of that distraction signal. And this is B-cell intrinsic. So if you take B-cells from a male and put it into a female or a female is given testosterone, it matters where the B-cells come from. So if you give a female testosterone, then they behave like male B-cells mm. for those B-cells. But it's about what's in the B-cell conditioning, not the host. All right. And then this also contributes to EAE sex bias. So that's the autoimmune encephalitis we've talked about before. So GPR174 is protective against EAEs in males in a B-cell intrinsic matter. It's complicated because in that model, there's a Treg component from the same receptor, and you have to abrogate that to then see the B-cell, and it's an opposite effect. So you have to like unmask the Treg component to see it. The second little bit was um, from Zihai Lee. Interestingly, also cancers worse in men higher incidence and mortality, regardless of where you live or your lifestyle. So I'm really enjoying uh, that masculinity right now. It's just setting me up for future death. Um, And they were looking at the role of CD8 T cell exhaustion in driving this. Mm. And androgens are a culprit because it it transactivates, the androgen receptor transactivates TCF7. And uh, that causes exhaustion. And loss of Y tumors respond better to t- immunotherapy. So then if there's all these phenotypes where, so take a step back, the Y chromosome is going away. It's just vanishing over time and shrinking over time. And, but if that happens, it leads to death, even though it's shrinking. Like if you lose the loss of Y fully in later in life, you have cardiac arrest and all this other crappy badness, right? But loss of Y tumors have better response to immunotherapy. Because they don't have T cell exhaustion as much, because that Y chromosome makes us men very tired, apparently, and our T cells just need a nap. All right. Like I need a nap. I see. That explains a lot. Uh, okay. You done? I am done with my sex talk. Okay, good. <laughs> so, for my morning sessions, I went to a session on other response, uh, regulation of other responses. Um, and very interesting. Started up with uh, uh, Professor Megan Skies from Columbia University Medical Center, um, in which she was showing that in 
visceral transplants in, for example, intestines, and I think also uh, liver and other um, organs from, from the abdominal cavity. Um, it is a hard transplant, it has a lot of uh, rejection, but she showed that there, from these patients that do uh, survive, often it happens that they observe this microchimerism in which a lot of the, uh, more than 4% of the immune cells of the transplanted person, the recipient, are actually derived from the donor of the organ. And this actually seems to correlate better with, with the engraftment. So they, what is a long story, but what they eventually they show is that their situation in which you have a beneficial graft versus host reaction in which the graft actually displaces uh, many uh, cells in the bone marrow uh, amongst them or like immune cells amongst them, immune cells that would reject the transplant. And they establish uh, uh, hematopoietic stem cells from that graft. They, uh, they reside, they take residence in the recipient's bone marrow. And then all of a sudden you have a chimeric a uh, person that actually can very much, um, much better tolerate the uh, the new organs that they got, and this, and they showed a lot of data about it. But that's kind of the gist of the of the talk. So really cool. So kind of a good type of host versus graft. Yeah, they should call uh, that reaction. graft with host. Sorry, it's graft versus host. Graft. I know, I know, I know. Yeah, that graft versus host. No, this is graft with host. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it is it is killing host cells. But for a for a good purpose, kind of, and so it doesn't ha it doesn't cause disease. It doesn't cause a, a you know a disease that kills the the host. And then a second talk by Shane Gray from Garvan Institute in Australia. Uh, also really interesting. He talked about uh, there's a particular uh, enzyme called uh, said ubiquitinating enzyme called A20 that is um, modulates the NF kappa B. Uh, pathway, and that uh, he showed that this is this is shown in in, in there's human uh, you know um, polymorphisms of, of this protein that show that that you know in in a way that's how they kind of learn what this protein does, and and he showed that actually um, if you modulate this protein if you overexpress it you can use it to protect. Uh, uh, transplants, or for example, pancreatic islet islet transplants. If you overexpress this this protein, then it will protect the, the transplant in a way. So that's kind of cool. Um, of course, I'm you know a lot of work. I'm really making it very short here. Um, and the the third talk, I thought it was outrageous, but I really liked it. Uh, it was Bruce Blazer from the University of Minnesota. And he uh, came and talked about his in vitro differentiated CD8 positive T-Rex. Basically, uh, this T cell he can uh, he can uh, differentiate uh, starting with naive CD8 uh, T cells, uh, throwing a bunch of IL2, TGF beta, and rapamycin, and he can actually generate FOXP3 expressing CD8 T cells that have a uh, a considerable level of suppression, suppressive capacity. They express, interestingly, they don't express really much of CD28. They do express a lot of CD103. They express about, you know, for what he showed in the data, 50, 60% of FOXP3, uh, CD44. Um, and 
uh, he showed that uh, this he, he can actually suppress these lateral responses in vivo and in vitro. Um, uh, he expressed a lot of also CD39, um, and that. Uh, but this is not mediated by FOXY3 because only FOXY3 enforced expression does not do the trick. Um, but I, what I thought was pretty cool is that then he 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 made uh, CD8 uh, induce this T-Rex like this, but a car T-Rex. So he made cars that are both cytotoxic towards target cells, but then they are immunosuppressive towards graft versus host uh, situation. So kind of the best of both worlds. I don't know. I'm confused. I don't know what T-Reg means anymore. It's all a skid, Mark. It's, it's just a smear, Brenda. We've been through this. It's a smear. You've got your ILCs, your innate lymphocytes, your T-cells. It's all just a smear of biology. It's all a, a spectrum. It's There's whatever no you truth. need it to be. It's whatever you need to grow it up to be. There's no truth. Oh, well, congratulations to Bruce Placer for blowing my mind. <laughs> all right. Well, are we back to me? Yeah. All right, so I went to some cell trafficking. You trafficked cells? Yeah, the legal kind of trafficking. <laughs> they may or may not have been separated from their tissue ahead of time, but you know, that's okay in okay. the context of cells. All right, so uh, this was in the lab of Lawrence Zitvogel and Lisa DeRosa. The first one, um, so it's about how adrenergic activation seems to lead to worse cancer outcomes and intestinal atrophy and it was ignored a long time but interestingly beta blockers help reduce intestinal atrophy and that helps with cancer outcome well what could and what could be doing that of course it's metabolites that alter pd1 blockade response to therapy and just your general immune tone and those metabolites guess what they're caused by brenda it's in the gut uh, think something funny. Candy. It can be that is eaten <laughs> by your microbiome, and so they have a pathogenic bacteria that chews up biliary salts that makes it worse, and then if you resupplement with biliary salts, it makes it better. And what seems to be happening in their model is the standard alpha four beta seven acting cells are going to go kill your cancer. There's a dysbiosis in these intestinal atrophy scenarios due to high stress exodus of the IL-17 producers to the tumor draining lymph nodes from the gut and that's mediated by um, loss of MADCAM1. So stressed out guts which have hyperactivation of bile acid consumption by bad acting dysbiotic bacteria leads to loss of IL-17 producing cells in the intestine to the draining lymph nodes and that leads to worse cancer and you can reverse it by giving people bile salts. Very cool. Then I got to learn about a whole new macrophage, Brenda. The YVE1 positive macrophages. So LYVE1. Long story short, it's a type of macrophage that seems to be involved in homeostasis and is involved in consuming collagen. So if you get rid of it, there's increased collagen deposition in your arteries, which is bad. It can be too much, too much collagen bad, too little collagen bad, but it can deposit in your adventitia. There's lots of it in the mouse aorta, by the way, of these of macrophages. And it's associated with aging. So, you know, you actually want collagen, but too much collagen is fibrosis, right? And so this is associated with aging. 
and it regulates your fascia collagen content. And so this is really a tour de force from the lab of Ronique Angeli, I forgot to mention the name there, on uh, what these new macrophages do and how they seem to have a, if you look at their genetic program, they're not an inflammatory program, they're really a homeostatic program, and they help recycle your collagen. Okay, um, so from my side, I, there was also, of course, the keynote from Alan Fisher, uh, who was talking, uh, had a very interesting, very extensive talk about inborn errors of immunity uh, and how how to look at this and how to, I think kind of the idea of his talk was to show how the same genes can do, can have different completely opposite results depending on what kind of, of, of in, uh, inborn error we're talking about. So he mentions things, for example, as uh, the transcription factor Icarus that you know, you can have haploid insufficiency or dominant negative mutations and that causes immunodeficiency, but there's also people that have gain of function and then they have severe autoimmunity and defective T-Rex. You're going to have um, rag mutations that can cause skid, but they can also uh, cause, if, if, if it's in a very severe case, it causes skid, so severe, auto, severe autoimmunity. Uh, but if you have a type of mutation that is less uh, less is less uh, disruptive, then you can only have kind of partial deficiency in B cell development. So I think he was really trying to bring up bring up, up the the wide variety of uh, of immunodeficiencies that can occur from from inborn errors and, and and mutations that that happen in few people. Um, so in general, I think it was was really good. He mentioned a lot of different diseases and how we came about to understanding uh, the mechanisms with, behind them, and that was in the in the auditorium. I stayed uh, over to the uh, immune cell regulation, of course, and very cool first uh, talk from Ramnik Xavier. Uh, he's originally from Zimbabwe, but he's working at Broad Institute now, um, and he was talking about. He had a couple of stories that all revolved around um, kind of um, epithelium barrier function. So I'm going to mention maybe the first two. Um, he showed, for example, how glycosylation and, and a particular transporter of manganese that affects uh, the the, the uh, glycosylation patterns of, of mucus can have a, can, are actually a variant that is associated with with, with a lot of uh, diseases that are kind of inflammation related, such as, well, they, they see also now associated with schizophrenia, which is kind of maybe less clear, but Crohn's, uh, for example, and he shows that, for example, this, the absence of this, of this transporter results in a thinner glycocalyx that uh, allows bacteria closer to the intestinal epithelium. This results in more inflammation, and this is kind of the, the what triggers the, 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 the problems downstream. Um, he also shows of a different um, a different protein, uh, which was originally of kind of a known function, uh, uh, which is called TMEM258. It shows that he did some, some screening and he shows that this protein, this target, is associated with epithelial stress and loss of epithelial um, um, integrity. And so after a lot of kind of studies, he uh, pain points that this uh, TMEM258 interacts or is part of the oligosaccharide saccharyl transferase complex and there again uh, the absence of it prevents proper uh, uh glycosylation of proteins that this is kind of where the the the, the that's how mechanistically it affects the integrity of epithelial cells 
Uh, next up was Alexander Rudensky, uh, who was talking about a story that we actually covered at, in the one of the podcast roundups. So the story about this, what they call the theta cells, um, which are uh, organometry positive dendritic cells in the gut that are responsible. Apparently, they are kind of the the, the missing link in the induction, in the early induction of, of rogamati positive T-Rex in the periphery in the gut. Uh, and this is a, a story from Chris and Thomas Brown as well. And so I remember, so we discussed this, so I kind of sort of familiar with the story, but basically they really try to pinpoint where are these T-Rex getting their signals from and why is it so important? This is really early on, the on kind of the post, uh, very early age after, after birth. And they really pinpoint down these Rorgamma uh, T positive dendritic cells. And then he has another, had another story about T-Rex and how they interact with nociceptive neurons and how they modulate the pain receptor and sensation. And there was so particularly there's the expression of a precursor of an endogenous opioid neuropeptide called PENC and that this T-Rex in skin expressed PENC and this PENC protects the pain neurons for from from overstimulation and therefore have kind of analgesic functions. So elimination of T-Rex in this context increases pain and discomfort in, in the mice. And last but not least, uh, Christophe Benoit, also very well known in the T-Rex field. He had a lot of stories. On one hand, he was talking about how there's a certain uh, inheritance of, uh, if, you, if you mix Balpsy and Blixi mice, they're already known for having different proportions of programma T positive T Rex in the periphery. And this is kind of strain dependent. But it, apparently, what he does when he tried kind of making, uh, combining the strains, uh, and he actually showed that it's not so much strain dependent as it's mother dependent. And the, he shows a kind of a direct relationship between the levels of IgA. In the, in the gut of the mother with the development of T-Rex in the pups. And so there's always the mother, whatever, regardless of the, of the, of the genotype of the mother and the father, the pups uh, kind of inherit the T-Rex proportions of the mother. And this depends on this IgA repertoire that they already have. Um, and talks about also specificity of T-Rex in the gut. Again, trying to understand why are they recognizing. He shows that uh, T-Rex in the gut can recognize uh, bacterial um, antigens. And that uh, there's something about the TCR itself and the sequence of the TCR that will kind of promote the differentiation in a T-Rex uh, phenotype, which is kind of weird. So they put T-Rex TCRs on conventional cells. And apparently those are T-Rex T-Rex derived TCRs are better at inducing T-Rex on conventional cells than non-T-Rex TCRs. So I thought that's also kind of cool. Just want to say one more thing. There was a lot of neurons and, and immune cell in, in interactions. There was this in the aging and neurodegenerative disease, Vera Gorbunova from the University of Rochester, with a story about transposons in aging and how the uh, as we age and we have more DNA damage, our sirtuin 6, which uh, is a uh, uh, histone diacetylase, that during our youth is busy keeping a particular transposon called L1 uh, in check and preventing expression. But then as we get older and then sirtuin 6 is busy with other, other things, then we start expressing these transposons and the accumulation of transposon cDNA in 
the the cytoplasm activates negastin and generates inflammation and this is part of like kind of the inflammaging uh, phenomena and these weird uh, transposons that are making us old really weird so yeah there we go packed sessions packed 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 well, that brings us to the end of our latest IUIS 2023 episode. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Podcast to find out what we're up to at the meeting. Check back here tomorrow for another episode recapping day four of the meeting. See you then.